Hallelujah. And so the word says again, who is it that condemns? Who is it that can lay a charge against you? Who is it that can say you're no good? It's God that said, righteous. Well, hello, everyone. This is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you so much for joining me for another broadcast right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, as you know, we've been in a series on Wednesday nights talking about the L word. It's all about love. And today is part number six. Wow, we made it to part six and I'm so excited. Now, don't forget, before we go into the message, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Check us out at the Google Play Store or the iTunes Store or CastBox. We're there. Check us out today. And if you have a Roku TV, find our channel, please. Just look for Kingdom Rock TV and you'll find all the videos there. So check it out today. All right, without any further ado, here comes today's message. It's all about love. And this is part number six right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. So I thank God for all of you here tonight uh, as we continue to dive into God's rich word. Hallelujah. And uh, we've been doing a series here on Wednesday night talking about um, the L word, love. We've been talking about love uh, for the past about six or seven weeks. And this is uh, part six of it. So I want to welcome everybody here and welcome our online community. Welcome online community. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, tonight for part six of the L word, we're learning about love. So wherever you are all around the world, we want you to know that you are part of the service and we just uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Don't forget to go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. You can find this message and so much more. Check it out. All right. <clears throat> we want to get right into it. Before we do, let's go ahead and say a, a short word of prayer. Father, we thank you in Jesus name, uh, Lord, for your tremendous love, for your uh, for your love that just overwhelms us. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would just open up our hearing and our heart that we may be receptive to what you are saying tonight by your spirit. And Holy Spirit, we declare you are the teacher. We acknowledge your presence. Teach us tonight. Lead us and guide us into all truth and show us things to come. And Lord, I do take authority over any distraction and hindrance. I declare it shall not hinder the people of God from receiving your word. Bless your people tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, our journey tonight uh, goes, we, we're finally leaving the book of Ephesians, the third chapter, and we're going into the book of Romans tonight. The book of Romans, the eighth chapter, Romans eight, verses 31 through 39. We're really going to learn about this because we understand something. When you learn about love, learn about the love of God, your whole life begins to be transformed. You cease to, you will cease to see yourself as meaningless or insignificant or small or unworthy. And you begin to see yourself the way God sees you as someone that is valuable, as someone that is powerful as someone really that he has given uh, power and authority of someone who is he's been given of someone who's been given righteousness in the sight of God because he really does love you and remember we want you not only to know about the love of God but you need to experience his love and so I pray right now father that you would just embrace your people with your love tonight and so that everyone be watch everyone that is watching and hearing and everyone here in this room tonight would have an will have an experience 
an encounter with your love. I ask this in Jesus' name. All right. So uh, Romans 8, I'll read uh, verse 31 through 39. Then we'll go back and read, uh, go back and get into it as is our custom. And this is how it reads here in Romans, the eighth chapter, verse 31 through 39. It says, what shall we say? Or rather, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, or powers, uh, rather, nor powers, nor uh, things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're going to really get into this. You say, well, I, that, that really didn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, just keep on hanging with us. And I believe that you're going to get a great understanding of the word of God tonight. Amen. Amen. So let's go back up now. And we're going to look at verse number 31 as we take this line by line. So it first starts off here in verse 31. It says, what shall we say then? Or rather, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now it says, what shall we say to these things? So something has happened before verse 31. And you'll find that uh, in this chapter and the book, and actually in the whole book of Romans, it talks about sin. It talks about being justified in the sight of God. It talks about overcoming sin. It, it talks about uh, justification. It talks about righteousness, being in right standing with God. As a matter of fact, in verse number one, uh, we'll look at this next time, possibly verse number one uh, here in Romans, the eighth chapter. Uh, it says, um, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no judgment to those who are in Christ Jesus, no sentence of destruction, no sentence of doom and gloom uh, or damnation uh, to those who belong to Jesus. That is, if you are born of God, as we said it before many times, if you are born again, hell is off the table. You never have to worry about going to hell if you are born again. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There is therefore now, right now, and that's always the present now, there is no condemnation. And condemnation is a sentence. Think about a courtroom. Some of you may have been in a courtroom before. I don't know. I've been in a courtroom before. Uh, praise the Lord. I've seen it done and I've seen it on TV many times. Uh, well, anyway, 
Condemnation is a sentence. That is, the judge says, all right, you've done this. I said that you've done this. And he lowers the gavel and bang, that is the sentence. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation. In other words, uh, God is the judge. He is the high judge. And we're going to see this tonight, Lord willing, that uh, he's given Christ Jesus the power and the authority to judge mankind. And he's telling them, he's telling us, as long as we are in Christ Jesus, there is no time that God will ever look to you and say, I condemn you. You are going to hell. You are no good. There is no time that the Father will ever say that to you. Hallelujah. That does not exist anymore. You have passed from death unto life, quite literally. And so he says, if God be for us, if God be for you, who can be against you? Who can be against you? In other words, if the judge, if the high judge is for you, what can the prosecution ever say about you? Let's just say if we're in the courtroom and somebody has called you in the court, uh, but they don't understand your daddy is the one who sits on, sits on the bench. Your daddy sits on the bench and he loves you. He's sitting right there on the bench. Hallelujah. And your counselor, the Lord Jesus Christ, best, best attorney ever, praise the Lord, is there on your side fighting for you. But I'm telling you, the moment you step, before you stepped into the courtroom, the whole thing is rigged. There's no way in the world your father, your daddy is ever going to sentence you. Hallelujah. So he said, if God be for you, who can be against you? There's nothing that the prosecution can say about you. Nothing that uh, those who would say negative things about you. Uh, there's nothing that they could say that would ever stick in God's courtroom. Are you hearing me? As long as you are on the Lord's side. Now, let me give you some other verses about this. I love this. In Psalm 118, verse number six. Psalm 18, 118, verse number six out of the Amplified Bible. This is how it reads. It says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can mere man do to me? What can man do to me? When God is on my side, what can the devil do? What can people do to me when the Lord is on my side? The answer to that is nothing. Let's look at uh, Isaiah. I want to show you this in a couple of translations. This, I'm so impressed by the word of God. Isaiah 41, verse number 10. Listen to how it reads. It says this, don't be afraid because I am with you. Don't be intimidated. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will support you with my victorious right hand. Isn't that awesome? So no matter what you're facing, understand that if you are indeed born of God, in covenant with God through Christ Jesus, the Lord's on your side. Hallelujah. He's on your side. Glory to God. And he's with you. He's with you. And he tells you and I, don't be intimidated by what they say. Don't be afraid by what they say. And uh, let me read this to you out of the Amplified Bible. I love this again. Same, same um, chapter, uh, Isaiah, same book, Isaiah 41, verse 10 out of the Amplified. This is how it reads uh, here. It says, do not fear anything, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured, I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous 
right hand, a hand of justice, of power, of victory, of salvation. The Lord said, I got you. I got you. You don't have to worry about it. I got you. I'm on your side. I got you. Are you hearing me? Look at Jeremiah 20, and this helps bring it down even further. So when you get in a tight spot and you feel fearful, you feel afraid, uh, I want you to remember these verses. I pray that they really just come back to you. Um, Jeremiah 20, verse 11 says, says this, or reads this way out of the New Living Translation, and it says, But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Before him, my persecutors will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. I mean, he's really going to get them. Remember, you're in covenant with God. You have a blood covenant with God through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Remember that in covenant, his strength is your strength. In covenant, his wealth is your wealth. In covenant, uh, your enemies are his enemies. Hallelujah. And his enemies have become yours. There has been an exchange of strength. So this is why the Bible says, let the weak say that they are strong. Let the poor say that they are rich. Why? Because of what the Lord has done. You are no longer by yourself. You are no longer alone. You are no longer weak or powerless or lame. No, the Lord is on your side. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Like a mighty warrior, he stands with you. There's nothing the enemy can do. Now, let's look at verse number 32. And this really brings this whole courtroom scenario down in, down in shape. So I want you to keep thinking about that, that whole courtroom thing. And verse 32 says this. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, the word spared not there to spare, spared not means that God didn't hold back. He didn't abstain. He that didn't abstain or he that didn't withhold his own son. Now, this. Um, so in other words, the father gave his only begotten son. He didn't withhold it. He, he didn't stop the crucifixion process. He didn't stop Jesus from dying on the cross. He didn't stop him from going into the lower parts of the earth. He didn't stop all that. He didn't stop people from mocking him and beating him and all of that. But the most, of, the, the most horrendous thing was not the whip, the beating of Christ with the whips. You know, they had the canine tails there. And they, when they struck Jesus with the whip, uh, at the, on the end of the whip, it had shards of glass and, and metal. And when they would strike him, um, the whip dug into his skin. And when they pulled it back for another lash, it would tear his skin. And they did that over and over and over. But that was not the most horrible thing. The, the crown of thorns put on his head. They, they spiked those look like little nails. They 
pressed it into his scalp. But that was not the most horrible thing. The most horrible thing that Jesus was not spared from was separation from God the Father. Remember he said, Father, Father, as he, was, as he hung on the cross, why have you forsaken me? Because at that point, Jesus became our sin offering. Our sins was placed on him. And God does not fellowship with sin. There's no fellowship between light and darkness. There's no fellowship between ungodly and godly. There's no fellowship there. Remember, Jesus was perfectly holy. He was perfectly righteous. He always walked in the presence of the Father. And he said himself, he always did those things that please God. So when he hung upon that cross and he said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? It was not because of something that he did. Jesus said that because our sins were transferred onto him and then he became guilty. Our guilt was placed on him. So he became guilty and those that receive Christ Jesus, then we receive his innocence. The innocent, or rather the innocent Jesus became guilty so that the guilty us could become innocent in the sight of God. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? God said, I didn't spare my son from the pain and agony of that. And I believe that is what caused Jesus uh, to sweat uh, really great. It said uh, um, his sweat became out of his, you know, his head like, uh, like drops of blood there as, as he prayed there in, in, in the garden of Gethsemane. That was the horrifying grief that he was going through. Not that he would be mocked and whipped. No, but that he would be separated from the father. At that point, he became our sin offering. And the father said, I did not spare my son from that. I did not spare my son from that. Now look at this. It says, and he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. In other words, again, Jesus paid the price. He gave his son up. The Bible says, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave Jesus up. He handed him over. He allowed Jesus Christ to be the lamb that would take upon him the sins of the world. He allowed Jesus to die for cutthroats and murderers and rapists and people that thought they were good. He, he allowed Jesus to die for the Hitlers, for the uh, for the um, Bin Ladens, or whoever else, whatever bad person you can think about, <clears throat> and he allowed him to die for you and I. He did not spare Jesus; he gave Jesus. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Now understand this: God does not give like we give. Uh, among humans, which I myself am a human, by the way, I hope that you are also human. But among, uh, James is shaking his head. <clears throat> well, among us other earthlings down here, we don't give like that. Usually, the way we give to people, we give them something small, and then as we grow in relationship with them, we give them something larger, something more expensive. This is really proven around Christmas time and birthday time. The people that you spend the most money on are those who, who have your heart, 
or those who um, you have given a high value or a high emotional value. The ones who really will receive your wealth or all of you are the ones that you deem as high, high value or truly significant. And usually, even as you're getting to know someone, we really start off small and then build up to the greatest thing. God's not like that. From the very beginning, he gave you and I his very best. Christ Jesus, the very best sacrifice from the very start, from Jump Street, if you will. He gave the very best. And so the Bible says, uh, if God gave you the very best thing first, won't he also give you other things, all things? And these all things are small by comparison. So if the father, and he was, and he did, if the father was willing to, to make his own son have a, a, a very horrible, terrifying, traumatic experience, total separation from him, if he was willing to put his own son through that for you, don't you think that he'll help you pay your light bill? Don't you think he'll help you get a job? Don't you think he will heal your body? Don't you think that he will take care of you? And this was the whole point of this verse here. I want you to get that. Let that really just let that really just dig in because he did just this didn't give you something that's easily thrown away. He gave his very best for you. And he that spared not his own son, but delivered us, delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give you all things freely the father says i love you so much that i will freely give this to you he freely gave you his son none of us had to pay for salvation none of us had to to pay or give anything the father freely gave christ and he will also freely give you healing freely give you deliverance he will also freely give it to you. You just got to receive it. But there's one thing that can keep you from receiving from God, and that's shame, guilt, condemnation, judgment. Not that the enemy can give, although he will try, but it's much of this stuff is coming from us, about us, to us. You will shame and condemn yourself, and usually it's because of something bad that you've done. And we say and we think that we disqualify that we are disqualified because of the sin, because of what we have done. And that is simply not the case. And as we'll learn here, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Look at verse number 33. I love this. It says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Now, go back to their courtroom picture again. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? In other words, here's someone that comes in the courtroom there. They come to the courtroom and they have their papers in their hand and they go and they stand before the judge and say, Judge, I have these list of charges against so-and-so. This is what they did. Uh, and they lay those things before the judge. 
This is what happened. This is what's happening. Now, why are they doing that? Why would they list charges against you? Why would they bring you to court? Why would you bring, why would they bring you before the judge? Usually because of three reasons. One, they want vengeance. Two, they want some type of punishment. They want you to be punished. Thirdly, which is worse than all, all the, than the other two. Third, it's because they want you to be separated. Separated. Yeah. Separated from either your money, separated from uh, they, they're suing you for money. They want to separate you, take it from you. They want to pull something from you or separate you from your family. Those who love you. And this is what happens, you know, with incarceration. They don't take the whole family with you. They just take you away from your family. Separation. Separation can be vicious, can be cruel. I know a young man who is right now serving time and I'm praying for him. I'm praying for him. His family, his parents are, are, are grief stricken. I believe he's in there unjustly, unjustly, but they are grief stricken and he is grief stricken. And, and I'm praying for him. I'm praying for his release. Hallelujah. I'm praying for his release. But listen, he's in that reason. He's in that place because someone wanted him punished. I won't go into all of that. Someone had a, a vendetta against him. This is the true thing that's going on now. And I'm praying for his release even right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. But understand something. When they're, they're called to courtroom. And so here again, let's look back at that verse. It says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Lay, that is putting the paperwork down before the judge. Who shall do that? Who is the one that is doing that? Who is laying this down before, uh, the, before God's elect? Well, here again, it can be the devil. It can be the enemy saying, uh, saying before God, you know what, Father? Uh, or he wouldn't say Father, but you know what? Uh, they shouldn't have that promotion. They shouldn't have that promotion. Don't you know what they did here? Don't you know what they did there? That should not happen. They, they don't deserve this. But of course, the Bible says that it is God that justifies. It is God that justifies. In other words, it is God that is the judge. Hallelujah. I love that. It is the Lord that is the judge. Now it says that it is God that justifies or he is the one who pronounces just. He says, you are just, you are right, you are innocent. He's the one who can say um, the cases or the charges are dismissed. Or he's the one that can say, no, you're going to have to do this, do the time because you've done the crime. So, but so the question is really, it's laughable. It's laughable. It says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Uh, and God's elect are those that are those that are chosen of God, those that are children of God, those that are sons of God, those who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior, not those who have done everything right over their entire lives. Are you hearing? If you have done everything right over your entire life, then you had no need for Jesus. But if you have made mistakes, if you have sinned, then Jesus is for you. Glory to God. So if you can say in this place tonight, Father, I have made mistakes. I, I have sinned. I have fallen from grace. I have done wrong. Then the Father's talking about you tonight. And that through the shed blood of Jesus, he has made a way for you to be made right in his sight. 
And that's through, of course, again, the blood of Jesus. But again, let's move on. So he said, who shall lay anything? Who's going to bring something before me? It's God that pronounces a person just and right. It is not the prosecution, not your accuser, and not even yourself. So when you may call yourself, um, say terrible things about yourself, or you know, say things like, um, I'm no good, I, I'm a sinner, or I'll never be anything, what are you doing? You're laying charges against yourself. You're laying charges against yourself. You are condemning yourself, either with your own tongue or in your own attitude. Who shall do this? It, the enemy can do it, yes, and other people can do it, yes, but the, here again, the, the strongest voice against you can be your own. Who has laid, who can lay anything or who shall lay anything um, to, the, to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. In other words, it is God that renders you right or righteous. And you might as well receive this now in the sight of God through Christ Jesus. He already says you are righteous. So you have to say yes and amen to that. That is regardless of what you've done last night or last week, God still looks at you because he's the one who says righteous. He's the one who is the justifier. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, apart from your actions, he still says you are just and that you are righteous. Now understand something as we go on. <clears throat> you didn't do anything to become a sinner. No work was involved for you to be called sinner. Say, wait a second, Pastor, what are you talking about? You were reckoned a sinner, not because of your sin, but by the sin of Adam. Because of Adam's sin, all man fell into condemnation. All men, uh, all mankind has fallen under sin. Because of Adam's sin, there is a sentence of death upon all mankind. Because of Adam's sin. Adam's sin calls uh, sin to come into the bloodline of mankind. And so whenever, whenever anyone is born, they have been inoculated, if we would, would say, or they, uh, they have received uh, the disease called sin. And the older that person gets, the more you see that disease show up. When the baby is born, you say, oh, he's so precious, so precious, so innocent. And surely the child is precious and innocent. Well, that innocence won't remain there very long. Give that baby a year, two years old and three years old. And you don't have to teach the baby to lie. Who took the cookie out of the cookie jar? I don't know. It's sin in the baby. That baby's four-year-old and five-year-old. Nobody's teaching him how to lie. You don't go to a special class and say, this is how you lie. This is how you lie. You don't have to teach a baby to be unselfish. The baby says to you, mine, 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 mine. No, you have to teach the baby to share. And many other things, you don't have to teach the child to be impatient. The child will be impatient. When we go, are we there yet? 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 A parent does not have to teach a child to be disobedient. You don't go to some class, child, this is how you disobey your mother and father. This is what you do. Oh, really? I'm supposed to do that? 
No, it's already in them. It's already in them. Are you hearing? So what we do, we have to teach the children how to live godly. How to live godly, how to live right, how to live a good Christian life, how to live like Christ in this world. You have to teach the child how to do right, but you don't have to teach the child how to do wrong because the wrong came in through the blood. Are you hearing? So again, you were not called sinner because you sinned. You were called sinner because it's in your blood. And you were born with it. So how do we fix that? Well, we fix that by being born again. Born the second time. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, the bloodline shifted. You were born once of your natural mother, but you are born the second time through the womb of the Spirit. And because of that second birth, the, the pain and agony of that first birth that made you be a sinner was then cut off. Now again, so you, were, you didn't do anything to be called sinner. And listen, you didn't do any work at all to be called righteous. That was also given to you. When you received Jesus, when you received him, God said righteous. And just like the shame and guilt and condemnation hovered over your entire life, until you met Christ, just like the gift of righteousness hangs over your life now that you are with Christ, now that you are born, born of God, righteousness hangs over your life. You wear the righteousness of Christ. Just like you wore the sin of Adam, now you wear the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so the word says again, who is it that condemns? Who is it that can lay a charge against you? Who is it that can say you're no good? It's God that said righteous. And once you're in Christ Jesus, that righteousness does not go away. It is there. And what we do now, we're growing into that righteousness. Our actions are beginning to line up. And a part of that, a part of that maturing and lining up is knowing about God's love. Are you hearing me? So let's look, let's look a little bit further now. Look at verse 34. It says, who is he that condemneth? That's a judgment. Who is he that can condemn? That's a question. Who is he that can condemn or who is he that condemns? Who has the power? In other words, who, have the, who has the power of the judge? Who has the power to say um, hell or heaven? Who has the power to say righteous or, or innocent or guilty? Who has the power to do that? Who has the power to say that? And really the verse answers it right away. It says again, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. It is Jesus that is the righteous judge. Let me show you this in scripture. Acts 17 chapter, verse 31. Let me show you this. Acts 17, 31. Wait a second, Pastor. Wait, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. 
You mean the one that has the power to damn my soul to hell is the one who also died for me on the cross? You mean to tell me the one who has the power to speak a curse over my life is the one who loved me so much that he allowed himself to be separated from God? This thing is rigged. Once you receive Jesus, man, you're in. Are you hearing me? Because he's the judge. And from that point, we begin to grow and we begin to learn. This is one reason why we come to Bible studies. This is one reason you have your own personal Bible study. This is one reason, another reason why you worship, so that you may continue to know this. Because if you didn't know what Jesus did for you, if you don't meditate on what he did for you, then that old devil can come to you and say, oh, look what you just did. You just did this and you just did that. God don't want you anymore. God don't want you anymore. You might as well stop coming to church you might as well stop hanging around those holy people oh you better not go they're gonna know what you did they're gonna know what you did what's the devil trying to do trying to separate you once again trying to separate you and if he can separate a sheep from the flock he's gonna devour it but if you know no devil no 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 that may be what i did but that is not who i am I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am born again, born of God, and I wear his righteousness like a robe. Hallelujah. I am not what I did. I am who I am in Christ. Hallelujah. I like what Paul said. I am what I am by the grace of God. And that's not going to change. Are you hearing me? So let's look at Acts 17, verse 31. And this is how it reads. It says, for he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. Talking about God. God has set a day of judgment by the man he has appointed. And he proved uh, to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Who did God raise from the dead? Jesus. Jesus. On the day of judgment, you will see Jesus Christ sitting on the throne judging. Will he be judging the body of Christ, those that has received him as Lord and Savior? No. No. Because we're on his side. Are you hearing me? As you read on down in that chapter, you'll discover that uh, he's judging those who basically who have refused to believe and those who have refused uh, to obey the gospel message. Because God says, I've set a day. I'm giving them time to get it right. And many have heard my word, but they are ignoring me. But that day will come. God said, I've set a day. I've set a day when, uh, when, when things will be done and things must have an end, must have a close. Let's look at this one last thing here. Let's look at John. John 5. We're going to end, end up here tonight. John 5. Verse 22 through 29 of the New Living Translation. I want you to see this. Y'all still with me tonight? Oh, this is so good. Online community, I am having a ball tonight, and I hope that you are too. John 5, verse 22 through 29 of the New Living Translation. I want you to hear how this reads as we talk, continue to talk about who the judge is. We're going to answer that question. Who is he that condemneth? 
All right, verse 5, rather, verse 22, it says, In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge, so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. You hear what Jesus said? Those who listen to his message and believe in God who sent him has eternal life. He says they will never be condemned for their sins. Oh, let's we can dance. We can dance on that. We can dance, dance, dance. We can dance. We can, I don't know where Jake came from, but we can do that. Hallelujah. We're in Christ. We can do that. That's good news, isn't it? Have you believed in Jesus? Have you believed his message? Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Then the Bible says here again, look at this. It says they have eternal life. It says they will never be condemned for their sins. We can jump up and down. We can we can spin around. We can stomp our leg. That's good news. Hallelujah. Because there is going to be a great and terrible day of the Lord when the wrath of God will be upon this planet. There will be that day that will come. But I don't have to worry about it. Like MC Hammer said, can't touch this. We covered by the blood. I don't have to worry about that. Are you hearing me? It says they will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it is. Uh, it's here now when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the son of God and those who listen will live. The father has life in himself and he has granted this, granted that same life giving power to his son and he has given him authority to do what? To judge everyone because he is the son of God. Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's son. They will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. And what's the good work? Receiving Christ, believing this message, obeying the gospel. And those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. Again, the dead in Christ will never experience judgment. There is no, there is now, not now, not ever any condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's go ahead and finish. Uh, we're going to finish this. Uh, verse 35 says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who can do this or what can separate us from love of Christ? Shall tribulation, tribulation is um, simply hard times. A, a, you're just having a hard time, a prolonged hard time. It is also pressure, living under extreme pressure. 
Shall extreme pressure separate you or distress? Distress is uh, uh, the definition for distress here in the Greek is a narrow path. That is, you don't have any options. You're living a life with no options. Distress or temporary worry or momentary worry. It sounds like it feels like your world is crashing in all around you. Persecution, that is hostility and ill treatment. Somebody's treating you unfairly, whether it's on the job or society treating you unfairly. Will that separate you from Christ, the love of Christ? No. Uh, famine, that is extreme hunger. Will that separate you from the love of Christ? No. Or nakedness, and nakedness is simply extreme poverty. Will poverty, your lack of money, separate you from Christ's love? No. Peril, that means you're living in danger. Will that separate you from the love of Christ? No. Sore, that is you're threatened with death. As it is written, verse 36, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Look at verse 37. Nay, no, in all these things, everything we just mentioned, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. That is, whatever condition you find yourself in in life, you can be and you are more than a conqueror in it. But the devil, your enemy, your adversary does not want you to know that you are still victorious in that. Because again, in whatever situation you find yourself in, God has already granted you the victory. He already says, don't worry, don't be afraid, don't be intimidated, for I am with you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? What can be against you? There's no circumstance, no situation, no problem that cannot be solved and resolved and God bring you forth with his righteous right hand. Hallelujah. He has made you more than a conqueror in any situation. Are you hearing me? I love this. Look at verse 37 out of the, uh, out of the God's word translation. This is how it reads. The one who loves us gives us, gives us an overwhelming victory in all these difficulties. The one who loves you and nothing can separate you from his love. The one who loves you gives you victory in every single situation of your life. Now, here's the conclusion in verse 38 and 39. It says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor any, nor, rather, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, things that are way up somewhere, or depth, things that are very deep, nor any other creature or any other creation shall be able to separate you. And the word separate there really has the connotations of divorce. God's not going to divorce you. No situation can cause God to give you a legal writ to say you're no longer mine. That does not exist. Nothing can separate you, separate you, separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. No demon in hell can separate you. Those are principalities. None of that powers, rules of wicked, that is rulers of wickedness in high places. <clears throat> None of that has the ability to pull you out of God's love for you. You need to rest in that love and know that he loves you regardless of your past, regardless of your present condition, regardless of any of that. 
He loves you with a burning hot love, fiery love. And I pray that you receive his love today. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, I want to pray for our online community. Uh, Lord, those that are watching now and those that will be listening later or watching later on by the replay. Father, I pray that they too will experience the love of God as we are here tonight. I pray, Father, that the anointing of your love, the anointing of your presence would fall upon them wherever they are watching and listening right now. Father, I pray for a supernatural experience and encounter with you. Lord, I pray that you would show yourself strong to your people. Show yourself strong. Show them who you really are, for you are love. Lord, bless those that are watching tonight and those that will be hearing later. We love you guys. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Remember, if you would like to hear today's message in its entirety or hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast and get it on the go. And if you have a Roku device, make sure you search for Kingdom Rock TV. In there, you will find this program and so much more. We would also love to see you in a live service. Just go to our website to get the details at www.kingdomrock.org. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.